And now, live from space, the 200% podcast with Ian King and Edward Carter. Open wide for some soccer! Hello pod fans, and welcome to 200% podcast number 306. There you go. It's like we've never been away. It's been a long time since you've said it like that. It is a very long time. I've forgotten. In fact, it might, I may never have said it like that, but that's what I remember. I think I, I think I was right. I don't know. Early onset senility is such a drag. It's like we've never been away, and we're refreshed... Yeah. Re-engaged and re-infused. I, I, I don't know quite where I stand on it at the moment. I think, generally speaking, you go through a cycle with football. And I think at this, your current phase is, you're not angry, but you're disappointed. Yeah, I've definitely entered a philosophical phase. Yeah. Yeah, because what you have to remember is that this is just a, it's just a game. It is. Oh, at the end of the day, it is, it is just a game. <laughs> the only importance that it has is this kind of symbolic importance that it's attached to itself. If you like a lot of chocolate on your biscuit, join our club. If you like a lot of chocolate on your biscuit, join our club. If you like a lot of chocolate on your biscuit, join our club. I am, as I utter these words, naked, looking oh. at a list of the players that Barcelona have signed since 2017. Why 2017, you may ask. I may ask, yeah. Because that's when they got paid 222 million euros by PSG. For Neymar. Okay. I mean, that's a lot of money, isn't it? That is a lot of money, 222 million euros. Since then, they have spent, this is transfer fees alone, I think, 135 million euros on Usman Dembele, 135 million euros on Philippe Coutinho, <laughs> 120 million euros on Antoine Griezmann, <sighs> 40 million euros on Paulinho, 41 million euros on somebody called Malcolm. Wow. Malcolm without a second L in it. And then 35 million euros Emil on Hesky. Nelson Semedo. Oh. Now, this is on top of Lionel Messi's wages, mm. which were. I'm rich! And so now they're 1.2 billion euros in debt, and that does matter. That's uh, yeah. a that's a yeah. really big amount of money, and therefore it matters. Yeah, but that is this is something that football has done to itself, you know. Well, I mean, I think specifically in this case, it's something that Barcelona have done to themselves. <laughs> well, they've they've done it so badly to themselves. What what is the the next steps? For Barcelona, because one thing I've been reading about, but don't really understand, because the vagaries of the transfer system don't really interest me, nor do the financial fair play rules. I mean, the thing is about the financial fair play rules is they operate on such a huge sum of money that I can't fail to see how you could quite easily adhere to them. They seem reasonable. (laughs) Yeah. Unless you were a complete idiot. Yeah, well, the, you know. You should be able to, to toe the line to stay within those rules. Yeah, I mean, there are clearly people with more money than that who want to spend it on this and they have their reasons for doing so. But I'm, I'm hearing things like they can't register certain players because it would take their wage bill over the... 
including yeah, including okay. players that they've just signed. Yeah, I mean, the the situation is that including Lionel Messi, their wages to turnover ratio was one hundred and fifteen percent. Oh, that's not good. That's basic business, though, isn't it? We'll come back to that in a that's moment. Basic business. If you can't, if yeah. if you can't run a business without spending fifteen percent more than you're taking in, yeah, then you're a... yeah. But we'll, we'll come. We'll, we'll we'll come back. We'll come back to that. Yeah, taking Lionel Messi off their wage bill reduces them to ninety five percent. Woo! They need to get to seventy five percent. Oh, and of course their players are all on big contracts well, and don't want to go anywhere. Well, no, they play for and Barcelona. And everybody now knows that Barcelona are desperate to sell. <laughs> and that ain't going to push up the price, the yeah. value of these players. No. So at the moment, we're in a kind of stalemate. The vultures. This has all come about at the same time as an agreement between La Liga and a American venture capitalist company called CDC. And they have effectively mortgaged a percentage of the next 50 years of television money in return for a payment of 2.7 billion euros. But obviously, every country has been affected by coronavirus. And Spanish clubs have to, you know, to the same extent that English clubs have. Yeah. I have to say doesn't sound like a very good deal to me well again you see you, i'm immediately i'm suspicious of it because it uses words like mortgaged and yeah i mean 2.7 billion euros is obviously a lot it's of just money. people taking financial gambles isn't it unnecessary financial gambles. yeah but 10% of your tv revenues for the next 55 zero years yeah that's a really long time. Well, it is a really... It's. I don't know. I know. would suggest, in fact, that it's a stupidly long time because who knows what yeah. TV is going to be like in 50 years. And it's certainly... It's a one-shot deal, isn't it? You know, <laughs> you're not going to be able to go back and re-borrow <laughs> on those sort of terms. Uh, this one, this, If you do this, you're past the point of no return by doing it. So... If that decision is taken, good or bad, it's perfect. I'm no economist, but I've always viewed venture capitalism as being a destructive force, generally speaking. You know, so I'm I'm willing to invest a billion dollars in the fact that we'll find a grackle that's got its head where its arse should be and its arse where its head should be in the next 100 years. Well, you know, it's such a thin line between venture capitalists and vulture capitalists. Well, yeah, I, I should say the, the, the vulture capitalists follow the venture capitalists, don't they? Yeah, I would go so far as to say that the Venn diagram for that is a circle inside another circle, but I'm just not, not quite sure which way around those circles go. It's such a unusual set of circumstances and it is and it is worth remembering i think it's it's pretty much agreed that while coronavirus has impacted barcelona yeah particularly uh they now have whole tranches of tickets for for tourists basically and those them days are gone that's over yeah. you know for the time being those people don't just spend a lot of money on tickets. They also spend a lot of money on um, uh, on merch. Yeah, 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 yeah. You go. You know, you, you... They'll they'll come to Barcelona to go to a match, and they'll have five hundred euros in their pocket, and they'll burn the. Lot. Yeah, they'll they'll have a Messi shirt on. They've got a sombrero. They've got a straw donkey. They've got a paella. Yeah, all Barcelona merchant, you know, branded, you know, Nike branded. Yeah, Nike branded paella in a Nike swoop. Qatar Airways <laughs> shaped right. They're a bloody mess, aren't they? <laughs> they used to they used to stand for something. Yeah, I mean the, the the thing is that this is ultimately the consequence of being too big to fail or believing yourself to be too big to fail. Money clearly lost any value to Barcelona in recent years. Nobody was ever saying stop. No, it's 
fair to take any of those signings that I listed earlier and say that they made sense in their own way at the time. Whether they worked or not is, well, you know, yeah, hindsight the has problem, twenty twenty. The problem vision. with all transfers nowadays is that it's the, the, the market is just insane, isn't it? I mean, you look at it and you go, well, a hundred million pounds for Jack Grealish... But actually, well, because it, it, it's a gamble, it's a gamble isn't it? It's a gamble. It's a gamble that's it's a gamble that's worth yeah, taking. If it pays especially, off, then that hundred million yeah. pounds is going to be chump change. Yeah, I mean, you know, you've got to remember who's funding Manchester City. <laughs> that's loose change to him, even if they fail. Yeah, these people operate on a different level to anything that most people could understand but they wave it right in our face yeah they do and and the thing very is very vulgar the benefits of success i'm not sure that they even cover it anymore i don't think that barcelona would be much better off now if they'd won every champions league since 2017 I don't think it would have been enough. Well, no, possibly not. Which makes you start to wonder why they're actually doing it in the first place when there are so many other ways of doing it, (laughs) you know? And this level of entitlement is just reflected in the way they're behaving now. The European Super League. It's like, you know, we have dug ourselves into an enormous hole. And the only thing that's going to work is carving up European football so we've got more money. Yeah. And holy shit, we might even be able to cancel a few of those expensive player contracts at the same time. Is the European Super League ultimately just been busted for being a, a, a fifth columnist attempt at we're either going to... We're going to flourish here and benefit from this or we're going to take everything down with us. I think it's dead in England. Oh, sure. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. At the bottom line is that the Premier League doesn't need to no, no. join the European Super League. And, 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 and it's reflected in the fact that the English clubs were the first to jump ship. Yeah, but we haven't forgotten who you are. Because they were the ones with the least to lose. That we haven't forgotten who you are. Clubs. Yeah, yeah, but the thing is that it is a busted flush now in this yeah, country. Yeah. It's a figure of ridicule. We are looking on as di- yeah. in disbelief. But of course, as a busted as... flush in this country, it also means because of the strength of the English league, it, that it's a busted flush across Europe. What's the point of a European Super League that's not got Manchester United in it? Uh, they're, they're gonna they'll plough on without it because <laughs> it's never. It was you've got to get rid of old fashioned ideas like. It's about seeing who the best football team in Europe is. Yeah, I'm an old traditionalist at heart. Your European Super League, no, it's 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 about celebrity match versus celebrity match. They might as well be exhibition matches. It doesn't matter. Well, yeah. They'll go through the motions of being competitive. But would I be surprised if it ended up morphing into something like the Harlem Globetrotters? Actually, not that much. The thing is that the only way they're going to do this is by completely severing their ties with the rest of professional football. Oh, yeah. And all of its infrastructure. It's basically what you're looking at is a rugby league, rugby union split. And once they're off on their own, they can do whatever the fuck. They well, like. yeah, they could get rid of the idea of games being decided on goals. They could be decided on profits instead, and each instead of players on the field, they just have a big bank of monkeys at adding machines wearing little shirts well, and ties. I don't know, you know, I mean, could they have something like uh, a point system where you've got two points for a win, one point for a draw, and bonus points based on public votes or something like that? <laughs> I wouldn't put it. I wouldn't put no, it past no. them. Not if it was to a premium rate fund oh, number. No. The and every single inch of it will be designed just to squeeze money out of it. That was their proposal. That was the proposal. Well, it was stupid. you know the twelve permanent members plus four from this vast ridiculous qualifying. Oh, how gracious of them! To yeah, how good of them. Oh, and by the way, none of those four can get... But none of those original 12 can get relegated. Yeah, ever. <laughs> no matter how bad Podgy yeah, and... there's absolutely no incentive for them to do anything apart from sit back and get old and rich and fat. Yeah. 
That's li- that's all they've got. All they've got left to do. It would have been awful. My big question about Barcelona is: Do you think that yeah. there is a situation wherein Barcelona will go kaput? Um, because I think that that's a pretty that would be a major like that would be like the Lisbon earthquake or the Great Fire of London in terms of I I don't remember having seen a football club in a worse financial position than this and I include Rangers in that yeah well they're making Rangers and Leeds United look like rank amateurs yeah I. I think that, well, the thing is that Leeds was kind of like big crash, then just tremor after, after tremor, after, after tremor, because they had such fucking terrible owners for such a long time. But Rangers was a huge amount of money considering everything, and it was just enveloped in so much shadiness that it kind of stood apart. The thing about Barcelona is that I don't really think there's been anything particularly shady going on. It's just completely egregious mismanagement. <laughs> it's it's something else entirely. So I don't know. It's it's a really 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 difficult um really difficult question to answer, but it's difficult to imagine Barcelona being in a worse position than this and still being viable. Yeah. I suppose. Um, so this needs to be the Nadir, or else they will have to do a Rangers and disband and form under a very similar looking... There would obviously be a new Barcelona club were that to happen. And of course, it all comes down to the question of who's going to be the person who puts their signature to foreclosing on FC Barcelona? Hmm. I remember about 20 years ago, Real Madrid were about 200 million quid in the old. Yeah. And I saw, or I read about, an interview with their bank manager. Wow. Who said, who's going to be the person who forecloses on Real Madrid? Well, I mean... And and, and the thing is, that you, you there's a tendency to look at that and think, oh, well, you know, that's just Spanish football being corrupt, bloody foreigners. But actually what he's expressing there is probably a very sincere emotion. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And yes, the club plays on that. They use that when times get tough. Yeah. I should imagine you will see plenty of that. Do you want to be the person whose name is on the dissolution of FC Barcelona? You've already seen them playing the heartstrings this weekend over Messi, dragging (laughs) him out for a pointless, (laughs) tearful press conference. That poor man. I had a whip round for him. Um, Got some cans. It's, you know, and it's utterly cynical on their parts. They've, I've got to be clear on this, they've had... The best player in the world for the last 17 years. He scored 474 goals in 504 games for them, I think it is. I think that's just in the league. Transfer fee, negligible. Well, yeah. Okay. Now, I have two issues with this. My first issue is quit whining, you fucking pack of entitled pricks fucking seriously 17 years of quite possibly the best player in the history of football well i mean quite yeah but whoever it was who brought him over as a 12 year old boy has has probably done the best bit of business that a football club has ever done and it's just ironic yes. that him leaving the club has coincided with the worst business that a football club has ever done. Well, there is an argument to be made that he's partly responsible yeah, yeah. for it. He never turned down lavish wage increases. He certainly didn't. He always asked for more money and he always got it. Again, the club is in such a bad financial position that it's entirely plausible that they could be here even without him being in the equation but he is in the equation and although his original signature was very cheap 
and they have had a long time out of him, he has still ultimately cost them a lot of money because his wage demands are massive. And you've also got to bear in mind the fact that when one player is earning that sort of money, everyone else starts asking for more as well. Yes. Everything becomes more expensive when you've got a fucking superstar in town. Like I say, quite possibly the best footballer in the history of the game. Because, you know, footballers do improve as time goes on. That's just the way of it. Yeah, that's true. So if he is the best player on the planet right now, and it was between him and, you know, uh, Cristiano Ronaldo for years, then that makes them the greatest footballer of all time right now. They won't be forevermore. Yeah. Because somebody else will come along who's better. It might be that uh, Erling Haaland. But of course it is the ultimate expression of don't hate the player, hate the game. And I can't blame Messi for asking for more money and Um, being given it. I I think that if you're around a football club and if you care in any way about that football club, especially if you're an employee of that football club... yeah. You kind of have a responsibility to 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 know what the financial position of the club is, and whilst it's not his responsibility, far from it. If it were me, and I was looking at it and seeing this this thing that I love is hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of millions of euros in debt, do I really need a million euros a week, or five hundred thousand euros a week, or two hundred thousand euros a week? What am I going to spend that all on? Yeah, and now they're in so much financial trouble that not even Lionel Messi could dig them out of it. Well, he's not allowed to sign for them, you know. He he's. I do bulk a little bit at this idea that oh, he's got to go to PSG. Well, no, he could go anywhere in the fucking world. You know, he could write a dream story and never be forgotten somewhere hmm. that isn't Barcelona. Yeah. It wouldn't have to end on a bad note. Yeah. He could do that. But no, he's, he's only interested in the dollar. Well, that does, unfortunately, seem to be true. He's gone to PSG because they're the only people who pay him what he thinks he's worth. <laughs> to which my next question is, 34-year-old footballer, how long exactly do you expect this to go on for? Well, yeah, yeah. And this is my second objection to this entire story. Barcelona were going to put him, at one point, on a five-year contract. They wanted him until he was 39. <laughs> and it makes you start to think, especially when you see him just pissing off to your first fucking flight out to Paris. All the tears straight on the Learjet. Do they think this is going to just go on in perpetuity? <laughs> Do they think that he's actually going to be playing for them for the rest of his life? Yeah. There didn't seem to be anything remotely like a backup plan for the fact that, regardless of anything else, he turned 34 a couple of months ago. He's not getting any yeah. younger. It's well, it's just going to be a, the, the endless, the three perennially going tours forever in perpetuity Bob Dylan Roger Federer and Lionel Messi no matter how decrepit they are they keep on churning it out the only explanation I've got is that they like I say they considered themselves too big to fail that's the only prism through which everything that's happened makes sense and I guess now the only question that's left is, are they? Because I am less sure of it now than I've ever been. Yeah. But I never really thought about it before. You just assume that these these clubs will go on forever. So I, I don't know what happens with Barcelona now. I don't think they will go out of business because there will always be somebody who will step in and pay it. Yeah, yeah. You know? it's a, this is a story, of, it's a story about relentless, blind lunacy of faith passion and whatever at the moment the issue is the fact that there is steam coming out of people's ears now because they give it all this mess day and club yeah well if they go out of business they'll have to change that to more than just one club one minute their shirts are too sacred for sponsors (laughs) then there's a name of a charity on it and people are like they're just softening this up for the inevitable... Oh, it's Qatar Airlines. <laughs> and, and 
the thing is that the sanctimony at the same time as being just as grabbing and grasping as everybody else all the time they didn't even have the fucking money to pay for it. <laughs> yeah, well... On top of everything else, the steamrolling in at everybody, the constant videos off their tree going, everybody must deify Lionel Messi and they must do it now. All of that. And they couldn't even fucking pay for it themselves. Yeah. Straight back to rumbelows. Yeah. And what, what we're seeing now is the anger at people realising that the level of inequality that was claimed, which was massive, wasn't even as big as it actually was. Well, yeah. (laughs) The actual gap was even bigger because they were just spunking money up the wall. Yeah. I mean, you know, the players, they're going to... Look at the players. They're, They're looking at signing. That they can't even sign. Oh, woe is us. We can't sign Sergio Aguero either. <laughs> well, how about, lads? Just a thought. If you can't fucking afford them, how about you aim your sights a little bit lower? Yeah. Just a thought. Just an idea. And there they were. They were going to try and make a cyborg Johan Cruyff by 2030. Well, that I, I was thinking, you know, to myself, are they actually... Going to try and clone. Oh, well. Is that what's going to happen here? Are are we going to find out there's a fucking laboratory underneath the pit? In which there's just a row of cages of these various types of fucking horrible mutated things. (laughs) And then at the end of it, there's just this one little lad wearing a Barcelona. Each one of the horrible mutated things has all got little elements of that are recognisably messy. Yeah. But none of them are... One of them's got a massive sleeve <laughs> tattoo. <laughs> one of them's not paid his tax. <laughs> and uh, the the one at the end is obviously a football genius. Yeah, but uh, no, just the one on the end is just like the finished... This is yeah. Five-year-old kid. Wow. And they're like, well, we were hoping to string him out for another ten years and then introduce Messi I suppose too. it depends on how much it costs to to clone a viable Messi because well if you're doing it yourself it doesn't cost well, anything I know but the actual the technology you need to raw, clone raw, raw yeah, materials yeah. that's all you need raw and materials. then do you do you clone you one Messi per team or people going to go for the old a team full of Bertie votes would be unbeatable it wouldn't be true of Lionel Messi. He's four for eight. I think that you would keep it very, very quiet. I think you should. <laughs> because I think there would be genuine and legitimate ethical concerns about a football club carrying out eugenics experiments of various sorts in order to try and develop the perfect Lionel Messi club. Yeah. I, I just I but then, I, I mean I don't think do you, you would have thought that every team that he's played against, if if cloning Lionel Messi was viable, they would have been collecting you know these toenail clippings and. Well, how do you know they weren't? Well, maybe they are. You maybe. don't know what's been going on in the laboratory under the pitch. I'm and I tell you what, this it. is I've, I've just had an idea for a film. The laboratory under the pitch. The laboratory under the pitch. Yeah, mine actually, will be a bit more. Mine will be a bit more human centipede. I quite like it. It's like the human centipede, only wearing that re- Arsene Wenger's really long jacket. Yeah, maybe the the player that they could clone would be Peter Beardsley, and they only find they've been so busy perfecting the cloning that only find out too late the, the realities of having cloned an army of Beardsleys. <laughs> Oh, Christ. <laughs> Do you imagine an entire team of Pepe's? Well, I mean... That'd be sweet. I'd pay to watch that. Yeah. Oh, you are a bloody disgrace! Hey, bud! For missing the target from there, you want bloody shooting! Oh, it's crap. Oh, it's bloody rubbish! Rubbish! What's going on with Derby County? Or as then also known... Banter County FC. Banter County FC. Okay. Oh my God. There's, I don't. Well, I do know where to start. You start with them losing the 2017 playoff final. <laughs> That's where you yeah, start. Yeah. That was the beginning of the. Oh, sorry, uh, not the final, the semi final. 
sorry. The yeah. semi-final. So, Derby are owned by Mel Morris, who is a fan. Um, okay. He is very wealthy. He is considerably less wealthy than he used to be. <laughs> <laughs> as a result of having owned Derby County. Yeah. Um, the EFL bought in salary management protocol, let's call it a, uh, not a wage cap, but a loss cap. And basically they bought in a rule which said that you've got a couple of years to get your house in order and then you will only be allowed £39 million of debt over any rolling three-year period. Okay. Yeah, okay. So 13 million a year. Yeah. Now, Derby crashed through that, carried on spending. Other clubs were doing the same as well. Although Obviously. most of them did actually end up getting their houses older. But there were two, which was Derby and Sheffield Wednesday. And they both ended up selling their grounds to their owners. Oh, God. Um, you hate to see it. Well, in the case of um, Derby, it's probably in safe hands. Like I say, Mel Morris is a fan. And um, Sheffield Wednesday may be a little bit ropier because it's Dejan Shansiri, who's been around for a few years, but Wednesday are in a right old pickle financially as well. And they've obviously just been relegated to League One and didn't even have any players until like a couple of weeks ago because they were under a transfer embargo. I wonder if they know that Messi's currently available on a free. Yeah, well, you know, yeah, if you're paying a million quid a week in wages, which Derby <laughs> probably would. <laughs> so they've got Wayne Rooney as player manager. Isn't it the case that Derby nearly got relegated last at the end of last season? Well, we'll come on to that in due course because you know I okay. barely scraped the fucking surface. Okay, so far. all right, we're back. We're back to Wayne Rooney. He was appointed around. Christmas time. I mean, the thing is that by this point, Derby had tailed off in the league. There was talk of them getting involved in a takeover with this guy who was a cousin of Sheikh Mansour. Oh, Jesus Christ. This guy had tried to buy a couple of football clubs before. I bet he had. Liverpool would have been one of them. (laughs) And um, both times they'd fallen short and it hadn't happened and it hadn't been really clear why it hadn't happened but the guy was making all these promises to Derby stretched it out stretched it out stretched it out and he didn't make what I suppose you call certain assurances by by which you know yeah he he didn't have any money (laughs) yeah and the whole thing fell through so suddenly Derby were in the shit Uh, they weren't playing their players on time last season yeah, I remember that. And on the last day of last season, I've missed a ton out of this, by the way. Yeah. Uh, oh, I've missed out the car crash. What, a literal car crash? Uh, yeah, where three of their players were in a car after oh, yes. the night out and Wasn't, crashed what, their car. One of them was the captain, wasn't it? Keo. Was uh, Keo the captain. He was he was sacked. Uh, while the other, well, he was only a passenger. While the other two, one of whom was the driver, were just suspended and then and then retained. I see. Seems like a convenient way to get big earners off the wage bill, doesn't it? Well, you don't know. That's the thing. It's it would be probably unfair to say definitively what happened there. Another way of putting it would be to say, you know, you may think that I couldn't possibly comment. <laughs> And on the last day of last season, Derby stayed up just. Sheffield Wednesday down uh, went down in their place. But the club was under a transfer embargo. That was because they hadn't updated their accounts. Going back to the ground thing, the league docked them 12 points. Yeah. And they ended up in arbitration over it and won their case. It was considered that they had made a fair valuation for the ground. That's what it all came down to, ultimately. Sheffield Wednesday, however, were found guilty. And uh, they got a 12-point deduction and was later reduced to six. Blimey. So with all this going on in the background, they just about stay up at the end of the last season. But there was something else going on as well, which the EFL had also sanctioned them over which was their player amortisation. What? Right, okay. Footballers signed fixed-term contracts, yeah? Okay. And their wages over that period of time, their value over that period of time, deteriorates as they get closer to the point at which their contract expires. So, if you sign a £5 million player on a five-year contract, 
and that player's got one year left in his contract, from an accounting point of view, he's only worth a million pounds. Yeah. That's the standard way of doing it. Almost everybody in the EFL does it that way. Yeah. Derby didn't. Oh. Uh, Derby did it in a way which made their players look like they were worth more on the balance sheet than everyone else. Now... The question of market value of a footballer, what the true amortisation value of a footballer, you know, the reason they do it the way they do is because all that doesn't really matter from an accounting point of view. What's important is that you have a standard way of doing it. Now, Derby didn't get away with that. They did get done for that. And they were put under transfer embargo. And that transfer embargo meant that as recently as about a week and a half before the start of the season, they only had nine registered players, of which two were goalkeepers. Well, anyone could tell you that that's not nearly enough players. You'd think, wouldn't you? Um, the Premier League is allowing nine substitutes this season, by the way. Well, yeah, so, substitute the entire substitute thing has gone crackers. COVID-19 started it, but I don't think that it's going to ever row back. Yeah, so, uh, so this... Um, Obviously, was a problem. The transfer embargo rules were actually relaxed about two or three weeks ago, and players have been kind of dribbling in, and they got there eventually. But effectively, they they played their game, the first game of the season against Huddersfield on Saturday. Okay, and actually, these two are like I think the fact that I think they're the two favourites for relegation. Huddersfield have been in a kind of state of ongoing nervous breakdown since they were relegated from the Premier League. I think I know. They only got promoted into it by mistake. I need to get this right now. So they went into the Huddersfield game with 11 senior players. They had like youth players on the substitutes bench. I hope they had some really young ones, like eight, eight and nine. Yeah, well, those, you know, they've, 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 they've signed the five-year-old Messi too. <laughs> <laughs> on, on loan from and two of the uh, unsuccessful clones. Yeah, and two of the other. They're playing them a million pounds a week <laughs> each. <laughs> but yeah, so that's where we're up to with Derby at the moment. They um, they were at home against Huddersfield in their first league game of the season. Like I say, Huddersfield are a shambles at the moment. I think a bit of a shambles at the moment. Like I say, um, I don't think there are many people who've got particularly high expectations for them this season if they if they survive relegation they've done a decent job uh and that game actually ended in a one-all draw oh okay so you know yeah um honors even honors even but i i don't there are so many variables at derby that it's absolutely fucking dizzying yeah, it's a bit like Pob's sweater at the moment. Yeah, I mean, you've got Rooney. I still don't know whether he's any good as a manager or not, and he's been there nine months now, or ten months away. You managed to get through all of that very artfully without mentioning the whole Rooney in a car incident. Ah, oh, well... So whether he's a good manager or not, we don't know, but we do know that he's still Wayne Rooney. Well, he's living living in his office at the moment, isn't he? Sleeping in his office. (laughs) Oh my God. A travel tavern. Three weeks after him. Three weeks after (laughs) his face appears in a tabloid newspaper between a stripper's boobs or whatever it was. (laughs) Adjacent to a stripper's boobs. I mean, God love him. I mean, really... I, I've got nothing against Wayne Rooney. You at can all. take the boy out of Heighton, but you but, can't take the Heighton but, out of the boy. I think that's where I think that's where he's from. You know, and a man's peccadilloes. You know, that's for him to deal with in his own personal life, as I'm sure he currently is, as he brushes his teeth using a boot brush. He's got one in of his those, office. He's got one of those tiny little travel tubes of toothpaste. Yeah, and one of those. Yeah, it's very one of those sad. Tiny razors. It takes him three quarters of an hour to shave one cheek. Yeah. You know, I, I admired him as, as a football player. I don't know if he's going to be any good as a manager. I don't really think he has to justify himself to anybody by being good as a manager. He's the gift that keeps on giving, isn't he? Let's be clear here that there are people in the game who do know what they're talking about, who aren't necessarily being overly sentimental, who speak very highly of him. 
I've seen quotes from people who are working in the game who say that he's got this really, really high attention to detail. He will be the first at the training ground and out. And if a player is doing something wrong, he will go out and show them exactly what it is he wants them to do and then train with yeah. them until they're doing it. So, well, you know, he's worked with some very good managers in in his career and he was an excellent player. So he's got that in the bank as well. Yeah. I mean, the thing is, I don't know. I... <laughs> <laughs> the whole the idea that Wayne Rooney is the man to drive this clown car to safety is a fascinating. Yeah, is he the ideal person for that job? I I, I don't know. We'll find out. I dare say. Because He's got you know, two exotic dancers sat in the front seat with him. Well, I'll put it this way, right? They can't sack him. Not on the money he's on. <laughs> <laughs> because they'd have to pay his contract up. Now, I've heard it said that it's actually the shirt sponsors who are paying him. Yeah. I don't know if that's I don't know if that's true or not. But I mean, let's assume that everything is normal. But um yeah, it's 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 chaotic. I think that their supporters will probably have been pleased with a point from Saturday's game. I don't know where it ends up. Yeah, well... I in mean, all honesty, in all honesty. You look at the mess that Barcelona are in. Derby County are definitely not too big to fail. Uh, even no, though, not, no. Even though they've, uh, they've won the English league title. That doesn't, that doesn't mean you're immune. Well, you know, it took Leeds United a long time to get out of League One. But I think that by the time they got out of League One... There was only direct one direction that they were they were headed. Yeah, Derby, I think, are in a worse state than Leeds were at the same point in the journey. Yeah, but I also think that the Derby situation is much clearer cut. Derby get new owners, then they'll be okay. If anything happens to Mel Morris, they're fucked. Bates following on, and Wallington's bravery saving Leicester City, and that really must have hurt him on the neck. But they've been vulnerable to the uh, ball in the air so much, Leicester, in these opening 20 minutes and more, and suddenly Bates then was free coming in on the left, and the goalkeeper came out to challenge him and seemed to take the brunt on the head and the test on the back of the neck. Jim Melrose, but a forward player. And Jock Wallace is the figure there making his way into the 18-yard area. The Leicester City manager. We've got some features. We're going to try and have some regular features. Yep. And uh, the first regular feature that we're going to try and deal with here is match of the week. Yeah, I decided this late this afternoon, so I just sent you a link. So watch yep. this. I have... I have subsequently watch this this is a game that i was aware of i've not one, i've not it? seen the highlights of but you speak of this game often so it's obviously a favorite of yours yeah it's leicester city against uh, shrewsbury town the yep. quarter finals of the 1982 fa cup at filbert street 6th of march 1982 6th of march there you go and what game I mean, it's a well, yeah, it's a good one. Isn't well, it? Leicester were Leicester Division Two. They at this were point? Division Two, yes. And Leicester opened the scoring. Yeah. There, then there is an incident where the Leicester goalkeeper collides with the oncoming, on rushing striker from Shrewsbury, Chick Bates. Yes, it's Mark Wallington is the goalkeeper. It's, yeah, Mark Wallington, who you know looks even more haggard and old after although I don't know if you noticed but the 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 studs on Chick Bates's boot actually cut a happy face into his into Mark Wallington's thigh did they so that was quite yeah. cheerful yeah but M- M- Mark Wallington stumbled on for a little bit w- uh, longer and while in during which time Shrewsbury scores two goals I did feel considering the fact that this this happened Quite a long time before half-time, I think. 
And I don't yeah. really think they took advantage of the fact that Leicester had done the one thing that is worse than putting an outfield player in goal, which is to put a yeah. definitely immobile, injured goalkeeper in goal. Yeah, just keep just keep the cripple on. Just aim it towards the top corner. I guarantee you he won't be able to get near it. And they, they were clearly kind of aware of this because they kept lofting the ball quite high into the penalty area. Like, oh, come out, come out and yeah. try and claim this then, Wallington. And, I mean, it worked to an extent. I mean, they, they took the lead. And, uh, yeah, they did, but they didn't take anything like the chances. And then, of course, they pissed the lead away once they had it with a hilarious yeah. own goal. Well, yeah, but Leicester finally, after they conceded the second goal finally admit the inevitable and replaced Mark Wallington mm. with uh, Jim Melrose and in goal went Alan Young yep. the Leicester striker yep. not for long though as you say hilarious own goal brought it back to two all at half time mm. beginning at the second half Alan Young is scuttled <laughs> by another Shrewsbury <laughs> Striker, which necessitates a third goalkeeper. Yes. So in goal goes Steve Linex, yep. all four foot six. Yeah, he's, he's not the biggest, is he? So Steve Linex is in goal. The compassionate world of English football being what it was, Alan Young, you know, was slapped around a couple of times and chucked back on the pitch yeah. up front. <laughs> yeah, just, just stick him on the pitch where he can get in people's way. Yeah. And... Uh, uh, and t- that is until the point that he wasn't seeing dicky birds twittering around his head. Yeah. And they, they put him back in goal. Yeah. So that's the final verdict on Steve Linex's suitability for being in goal laid bare. But to be fair, Steve Linex run up the other end and set up the substitute. Yeah. To make it three. Well, to... both of them, both of them kept a clean sheet. They did. Very true. You know, yeah. So I suppose. Fair, fair play. <laughs> but it's an interesting. It's interesting how this game continued to boil down to the same players time and time again. Yeah. Steve Linex goes in goal. Steve Linex sets up the what is essentially the winning goal scored by the substitute who came on for Mark Wallington. Uh, Jim Melrose then sets up the fourth goal, which is tapped in by one G Lineker. Mm-hmm. As he's only right. And then Gary Lineker returns to favour. So Jim Melrose, a substitute, scores two. Leicester win 5-2. Go on to lose the semi-final to Tottenham yeah. at Villa Park. Well, it also, I think it encompassed another one of the regular features that you were keen to add, which is things you don't see in football anymore. There are a number of them. But the one that I particularly wanted to draw attention to was Chick Bates. And that is... Footballers whose first name is Chick. Yeah, what's that short for? Chickery. Uh, chicken. 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 Chasseur. Chicken. Chicken chasseur. Chicken. Or maybe chicken. it's meant to be pronounced sheep. Yeah. His name was Philip Desmond Bates. Was Chick a popular abbreviation um, of any of those names? Well, I'm just looking down. But- just looking down now, I need to look up Chick Brody now, because that's the only other person that I can think of called Chick. Called Chick. Chick Brody was the goalkeeper who um, had his uh, had his leg broken by a dog. <laughs> oh yes, I remember that. Yeah. Ended his career. Chick Brody was a Charles. Oh well, yeah, that makes a bit more sense. Maybe, I mean, is it, is it possible that? Somebody just got the nickname Chick because they had sex with a chicken or got chased by a chicken or ate ate a lot of chicken. Chick Bates is still alive, so I would suggest not libeling him. (laughs) That's my recommendation. Um, I don't know. It's just a nickname, isn't it, I suppose? I suppose so. I quite like it. I like the idea of footballers being called Chick again. Let's bring that back. Okay. And pop. Well, I, I actually, funnily enough, I saw a an old big match at the weekend at West Ham and Watford. Oh, that, that, how strange! And um, 
Brian Pop Robson <laughs> was playing for West Ham. And I thought to myself, he's only about 33 or something. Yeah. And he's bored. He doesn't look that old. He, he, he well earned the name Pop. I just thought it's kind of unfair that in this world of old looking people, that this one in particular yeah. is the one who's dragged out as being so much older than everybody else. Yeah, yeah, I think that's fair. I mean, he's not so much more decrepit than anybody else. I mean, in yeah, that, it's not like that he's shuffling Leicester, around on the pitch of a walking stick or anything like that. That Leicester game that we saw, there were plenty of old-looking players there. I mean, Mark Wallington looked like he was about ready to retire. Yeah, well, I, I mean, um, that's peak, I mean, that is peak Mark Wallington. He was at Leicester for quite a while, I think. He looked like he'd been at Leicester for Mark a while. Mark Wallington at that point, 29 years old. What? Oh, God. We're going to play this. We'll play this game quite a lot on this Fuck website. You. Jesus. Born 17th of September 1952. So, well, six months, 29 oh. and a half. Wow. Actually played for Leicester for 14 years. <laughs> but, I mean, what, what a year is. Doesn't, doesn't make any yeah, sense. 1971 to 1985. He, he, so he would it would have been him then who would have been replacing Peter Shilton, wouldn't it? I guess so, yeah. Because yeah. Shilton went to Stoke because they, they, they kind of needed a replacement after Gordon Banks lost his eye in a car accident. Yep. So he would have been... Yeah, he would have. Yeah, it would have been him after. So they would have had. Yeah, bloody hell, interesting. But no, I mean, he he, like I say, for you know, fourteen years. Well, and of course, the... Gordon Banks went to Stoke in the first place because Peter Shilton had displaced him from the Leicester City team. Yeah, how it all swings and swings and roundabout. The Maybe circle when Peter of Shilton, life. Oh, and Peter here Shilton we go. Retired. Mark here we go. Here we go. Right, you're going to like this. All right. I might not like this. Transferred in 1985 okay. to Derby County. And it all fits together. Sold by Derby County in 1988 because his place was taken. By Peter Shilton. By Peter Shilton. <laughs> oh my God. There you go. Wow. That is a maybe a strip of the The, wa- the Wallington. Theory. Wow, I'm a very, just imagine I'm me standing in front of a huge, great, big board with yeah arrows and numbers all over it. That's incredible. I mean, I don't know if he's a married man, but I I would have kept his wife well away from Peter Shilton. <laughs> <laughs> because <laughs> we hate Peter Shilton, don't we? Well, Peter Shilton just finds a way of entangling himself in Mark Wellington's life by hook or by crook. I don't know how he manages it. Oh, dear, dear, dear. Um, Reader's questions. Uh, I solicited reader's questions, questions, would you believe? Oh, well, yeah, that's that's an excellent idea. Yep. Yep. Um, We didn't get any. Next! Yeah, dude, I've got two. (laughs) Oh, shit. Yeah, all right. Actually. All right. The first one is... Of course, I've got to find them now. Oh, here we go. First one. Oh, friend of the podcast. Everybody who listens to this podcast is a friend of the podcast. That's true. Oh, uh, uh, Jerry McDermott. Yep. How is it that a guy who has just been bought for a hundred million pounds could be absolutely bodied at Wembley by a guy who has been patchy, to say the least, for Motherwell in the opening games of this season so far? Well. Well, I mean, if you're talking about, he's talking about Jack Grealish there, isn't he? And is it Dara? Oh, crikey, what is his name? Dara O'Connor. Well, I mean, for a start, as as I'm sure Jerry knows very well, they breed him tough in Motherwell. Made from girders. Yeah, and Jack Grealish is essentially just... Oh, he's just a collection of twigs, isn't he? He's Jack just, Moss. yeah, he's just, he's just twigs. And, <laughs> there you go. New and an Alice band him, holding it together. Jack yeah, Moss. No, yeah, Jack Moss. <laughs> Twigs and moss. Twigs and moss. But he is, yeah, there's nothing to him. He's the world's first wattle and daub football player. Yeah, he's made of bungaroosh. (laughs) 
Local <laughs> local joke for Sussex people. His pubes are made of sizal. I was reading that they reckon that in time, uh, a quarter of houses in Brighton are going to need complete rebuilding because of Bungaroosh. Yeah, by the time the Bungaroosh, the Bungaroosh man needs to be paid, hopefully global warming would have caused such catastrophic sea level rises that nobody will live in Brighton anymore anyway. Yeah. <laughs> that, that was the plan. You see, it's all venture capitalism in the end. Yep. And uh, we got another another one. Another one yeah. from another friend of the podcast. Because they're, 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 the they're all friends of the podcast now. Patrick Harrison, who okay. asks, which footballer should have had a cameo in The Professionals? Oh, well. Now, yeah. I didn't. I, did, well, I promise you it wasn't me that asked that question. Um... Um, I'm pretty sure that Mark Wallington might have been in every episode of The Professionals that I've ever seen. Just in the background. I don't know, you see. Um, he's not gritty enough, Mark Wallington. He's certainly not That's gritty, no. I've heard him speak, seen an interview with him on the TV. and uh, he's Is he not, softly spoken? He's very, very softly spoken. He's got a very Good soft yes. East Midlands accent. Oh. Um, it's not really suitable for it. I mean... For the professionals, you really need either a Cockney or, more realistically, somebody from the home counties. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you really yeah. need somebody from Amersham. Well, yeah, Rickman's possibly. I mean, like that. I'm, I'm tempted to say Bobby Moore. Do you think? I think, but he would have to. It would have to be a really wooden cameo appearance as Bobby Moore, which yeah. is ridiculous when you think about it because. How can you be wooden when the role you've been tasked to play is yourself? But yeah. Bobby Moore was a abs- I mean, genius centre half, but his real brilliance, I think, was his inability to be himself on television. Yeah, I mean Graham Soonis nailed is the one who nailed that, isn't he? Oh, Graham! Actually, he would be—he would be ideal for a professionals. There he you go. A, he could play a, a, one of those Greek assassins. Who oh no, 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 no! I mean, modern day, current Graham Soonis could be like yeah. There's one episode where Jeffrey Palmer plays yes. the head of organised crime. Um, yeah, he's the head it's of not all made crime. clear in any way whatsoever how he's the head of organised crime because it just seems to be just this, is him and this one other bloke. Who, his, they just... headed, his headed letter paper says Jeffrey Palmer, head of all crime, right. brackets just is. Yeah, but London. It's just, and it's you know every time somebody wants to do an armed robbery, they have to get his permission and then give him ten percent. Yeah, and that's a great deal. Yeah, it's not made remotely clear how he wields all this power, but I could I could quite see Graham Soonis in that role. I could see. Yeah, I think Graham Soonis works. At all points of his life, as well, he would be he would be brilliant in the professionals. Now, he would be brilliant in the professionals when he was playing. It's because he's got that edge of a man who might, at any point, you know, kneecap you. Sna- with a, yeah, snap your leg into yeah. <laughs> with, with a lead pipe, and then yeah. sweet talk the police when they arrive. Yeah, little, or at least scare them off. Uh. I have one final feature that I want to try and work into oh, the podcast. Um, this is this is something that it struck me that they're always looking for marginal gains in football now. Yes. So what I want to try and do is suggest some more alternative ideas for football to explore. Okay. And this week I would like to suggest turmeric. Okay, got cool, right. Um, well known, justified, well known spice, justified. super superfood, very good for you. Filled with uh, lots of antioxidants and and all sorts. Yeah, of stuff. right. Okay, but I was thinking of it more in terms of you. Do you remember when football went through its brief and inexplicable Vicks vapor rub phase? Oh yeah, yeah, I do remember. Where that. every yeah. every player's shirt had a sort of smear of what looked like Vaseline. Uh, and then, of course, there was the, the nose strip phase where everyone had the nose strips on. Yeah, well, that, that it turned out, was doing more harm than good. Well, yeah. but as I, I mean, I was playing when that was a thing. And um, the first time I saw somebody wearing though, one of those, I was like, 
pressing down on the nose like that isn't going to help your breathing. Well, that's as may be, but it made lots of money. And this is what I'm being bit. I'm not being influenced by big turmeric for this, but what with turmeric's <sighs> health benefits, I think I would like to see a team at least affect the idea that they have uncovered the the mysteries of turmeric, which. So they'll send all of their players out with a big smear of, you know, turmeric on the is front this, of their shirts. Is this series just going to be every single week you just come up with a different substance? <laughs> yeah, next week, shit. <laughs> oh, good. No, but I don't know whether or not it, it... I mean, it could work. It could actually be an incredible secret that all, all teams know and they're all drinking turmeric tea and having turmeric baths. But I think affecting a a love of or heavy use of turmeric could at least send your rivals off down blind alleys while you concentrate on winning football matches, mm-hmm. which is what it's all about at the end of the day. Yeah. People lose sight of that. Um, turmeric. Well, <laughs> <laughs> so that's my idea this um, week. What good would this actually do? Because well, I seem it's to have missed that on your first. It's about incremental gains. So I mean, I'm yeah, incre- in, as many in, incremental gains in terms of what? Well, one obviously turmeric has many health benefits, so the players will be able to you know run faster, jump higher, or whatever. <laughs> uh, it would also have incremental gains in the laundry bill because getting turmeric out of shirts. Is extraordinarily difficult. So not only is it completely pointless, yep, but it's also a pain in the arse. Yep. But at the and same time, it, it's no more stupid than anything that has happened in any of the clubs that we've talked about today. Well, it's quite stupid because it's pretty stupid. It's pretty stupid because you know I'm kind of explaining the very obvious issues with it, and you're still thinking. That it's somehow the once this podcast football. goes out and the news breaks that Barcelona have invested one point five billion in turmeric, mm-hmm. then you know you'll know. And they're and they're and and, and they're the the models of financial propriety that we should be following at the moment, are they? Actually, I just I've just realised I might be the person whose name is. Forever indelibly linked with the death of FC Barcelona now. What, by cornering the turmeric market? Well, by getting them to buy a load of my dodgy turmeric. Buy some today. It's it's great with bacon or mustard. <laughs> Carter's turmeric. Eat it with bacon and mustard. <laughs> anyway, yeah, turmeric. May not may not contain real turmeric. No, it's actually it's just yellow powder paint. Bits of ground up cork. That <laughs> is quite a lot of cork, actually. Yeah, believe. Oh, it's good. Doctor said I needed a high more cork in my diet. Good. Anyway, is that it? We finished football. Football has been resolved. once again been resolved the for another week. Football has been resolved for another. Any week. problems that arise between now and next week for us to resolve are not our problem. Nothing to do with us. We've resolved everything up to the point at which we record. Anything else that happens, you know, that's their own stupid fault. That's how it works. Them's the rules. Right. Well, we're going to sit back and reflect upon what we've done. If we actually arrive at the conclusion that we have not disgraced ourselves even more than we assumed that we were originally going to... Uh, We'll be back next week. So uh, thanks very, very much for listening. And goodbye.
a hole and get for you at the right time. You can be slow or fast, but you must get to the line. They'll always hit you and hurt you. Defend and attack. There's only one way to beat them. Get around the back. Catch me if you can, cause I'm the England man. And what you're looking at.